Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose Dose of Wicked. to a weekly dose of wicked episode i liked that voice there it was your voice you do that all the time <laughs> hello you sound do like I? miss euphogenia doubtfire that's what i thought you sounded like yeah you do it all the time hmm. that was my I'm ashley weird. my ashley intro okay well hello there guys hope everyone's having a fabulous week as we're approaching the end of october oh, that's sad it is sad that means the holiday season is upon us Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most expensive time of the year. True that. But hey, Thanksgiving's right around the corner, so. We like that holiday. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. Well, this is awkward because we just started, but my computer's going to die, so hold, please. (laughs) Okay. Do you think that my computer's going to light on fire? Oh, probably. They're not supposed to be that way. Is that a genuine charger? Yeah, so it's a charger that came with my MacBook. I don't know, because my charger is, you know, 27 years old, and it's not yet, though. Yeah. So my charger, both ends of my charger are, like, very yellow. Yeah. And only there. I feel like that means it's going to, like, combust. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't that like would that. be bad. Oh, well, let's plug her in anyway. I also take that back. My charger isn't 27 years old. Only my computer is. Your computer's not 27 years old either. It was ma- <laughs> bought in 2015. Okay, well, either way, it's old. And um, my charger is relatively new because, remember, Buford chewed up my charger. Yeah, your cat. He's not that old. Mm-hmm. All right, we are plugged, locked, and loaded, so let's get back to this episode. I have my very first Thanksgiving, I was going to say occurrence, but that's not the word, celebration, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not really Thanksgiving. It's a hollow... B-Day Thanksmas bash. Yes. A Shurhammer speakeasy. Yes. <laughs> there we go. And when this episode came out, it was actually last weekend. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah? Was it? <laughs> yeah. Does this episode come out? Oh, no. This episode no, comes this out episode this episode comes weekend. out before. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Before you go. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to see my in-laws in Illinois. Oh, I was going to say Minnesota. No. They don't live in Minnesota. <laughs> I know. I always forget. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great time. I will. I'll be cold, so you guys, they would be thinking about me. You'll be fine. I don't know. I think you'll be all right. It won't be that cold. You'll be fine. Put on your parka. I don't have enough room for that in my bag. What? Oh, true. So anyway, not a lot going on in the world of Weekly Dose of Wicked. If by chance you guys hear any small voices in the background, that would be my children. We try to record with them not present, but um, my husband had to work today, so... It was either record with the children, possibly in the background, or no episodes. So we decided children. Yay! Yep. So you might hear them in the background, but they're, I mean, for the most part, they were just a little loud, but we just quieted them down. So hopefully you won't hear them. But if you do, I apologize. Anyway, in the world of Weekly Dose Wicked, what do we got going on? We got nothing going on in the world. But you could make us have something going on in the world if you joined the Patreon at the $5 level or higher. You sure could. Going on over to www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked. There are four tiers starting at $3, but at the $5 level, you get a shout out on the podcast. 
And that's super fun for And us. it brings us a lot of joy and excitement. So head on over there. Check it out. You get two bonus episodes a month, as well as ad-free episodes, starting at episode 68, which was mm, like two months ago. Yeah. So if you don't like ads and you want more of us, that's what you need to do. That's it. You heard it here. All right. Um, what else we got going on? Nothing. But you know what else you can do? You can head on over to Facebook, Instagram, X, Twitter. No, X and Twitter are the same thing. <laughs> We're never going to get that. No, it's fine. Whatever. Head on over to social media. Find us. Like us. Follow us. Subscribe. Uh, give us a follow on YouTube. Ratings and reviews. All those good things. You know. All the things. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all we got going. So you want to jump into this case? Sounds good to me. All right. So um, this week, I am covering a family annihilator. Of course you are. I don't do them that often. I don't know why you say it like I do them regularly. You do them pretty regularly. I don't. Maybe you just talk about them all the time. So I've only done one family annihilator Hmm. ever in the history of our podcast in over a year. One. Hmm. A singular family annihilator. Well, maybe it's just you're talking about them all the time. I think you talk about more than I do. No, I don't. I think you do. You've done a family annihilator. Yeah, one. Yeah, I don't do them that often. But, I mean, you know that I just am very much intrigued by family annihilators. Well, I know. Um, I think that, like we've said before, like anyone that would come into your home is like the most terrifying kind of criminal. But I think family annihilators are more terrifying. Right, because you think you trust them. You trust them, you love them, you think that they are a good person, that they're going to protect you, and then they turn on you, and that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. They're evil, evil pieces of crap. That's true. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Sounds fun. All right. Christian Michael Longo was born January 24th, 1974 in Michigan. Do you know the Longo family? The name sounds really familiar. I'm sure you know them. But I mean, I couldn't like tell you the details. Okay. Uh, By all accounts, Christian had a good childhood. He was raised in a strict Jehovah's Witness household. His family was very involved in the church. Uh, Christian did not start dating until he was in his late teens, and he actually ended up getting married at just 19 years old to Mary Jane Baker. Mary Jane was 26 at the time. Hmm, That's an age difference. They met at church. That age gap gives me a bit of an ick. Yeah. Seven years. I don't want for people to think that we are like sexist and we only think it's gross when men hook up with young girls. I just think that's a big age gap regardless. Yeah. I mean. Age gaps. Okay. We have no problem with age gaps. When you're old. When you're older. Older. Yeah. Not old. Not old. But older. If she had been. Even if he was like 22. No. I still wouldn't have been okay with that because she would have been almost 30. Okay. If he had been 25. I think 22. And she had been 32. I don't know. I just think whenever, yeah, I mean, I guess. I just think once once you're an, an actual adult, and I'm sorry, but 19, you're just really not a real adult. Your frontal lobe doesn't develop until 25. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sorry, but I just don't think that 19 is an appropriate age to be marrying a 26-year-old. But whatever. They get together, and uh, pretty immediately the couple starts having financial issues, which is understandable. Christian's 19. Right. Uh, he worked at a camera store at the time. So I was trying to find like details on this. Kind of what I'm picturing is like a Radio Shack. Okay. So, I mean, this would have been the 90s. Mm, like maybe 95, 94, 95, I would say, based off of the timeline. So, I'm thinking like a Radio Shack. Okay. I, I can see it. I mean, that's a perfectly acceptable job for a 19-year-old. Right. Is that going to support a wife? No. Probably not. Maybe in the 90s. I mean, the 90s were a wild time. I mean, 
Okay, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, how much was he making? Minimum wage, probably. I mean, probably, but I don't know. I'm just saying, the 90s were a wild time. Maybe it would have supported, I mean, I don't know. Would it provided them with an okay life, maybe? Maybe. Um, he proposed to Mary Jane with a three and a half carat diamond ring. Oh, wow. Yes. How did he afford that? He could not afford it. He financed it. Oh, okay. Now, I am not against financing, as you know, all the time. <laughs> I'm like, just finance it, Ashley. It's fine. Put it on your credit card. It's no big deal. Um, I just think three and a half carats is unnecessary. Yeah. How much was that? The ring payment was more than their rent. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly how much it was, but I mean, it was a three and a half carat diamond ring. And he financed it, and it was more than the rent. So... I mean, I'm all about a pretty ring, but I'm all is about it financing. Really, so okay, and financing it too. That's fine. Okay, but like three and a half carats. That's just really, really excessive. It's huge. Like, I just don't understand why. Like that is a lot of money to be wearing on your finger. Mm-hmm. I agree. Get some moissanite. <laughs> I don't know that that was a thing in the '90s, was it? I don't know. Cubic zirconium. Like, I don't know. I just thought that was crazy. Like, when they were like, three and a half carriage ring. I was like, whoa. I would have been perfectly acceptable with a fake ring. I don't know that I agree with that. I would have. Okay. Initially, probably not. Like, no. when I was like 19, no. When you initially, when you and Tyler first initially started talking about, like, you wanted to be engaged, you were very much into a nice ring. Okay, but also, how old was I? 19. Okay. <laughs> okay, but I also got engaged. I You didn't get engaged in 19 because Tyler didn't buy your ring for like seven years. I did get engaged in 19. And Jacob could have proposed to me with a rubber band and I would have said yes. I would have too, but I still wanted a nice ring because I was 19. I was very materialistic. Yes. As I grew up, I realized that that was really stupid. And I was like, Tyler, just buy a gumball machine ring. Like, I don't care. Yeah. He didn't. It's so a waste of money. Nice ring. I know, but it was a waste of money. But I can remember, like, when you were, I mean, even, you were even older than 19, probably 20, 21. Like, you very much, like, you had very fancy rings picked out. Like, this is what you wanted. You were like, he needs to start saving now. Like, you were very into this, like, whole ring thing. And I was just like, I mean, my my wedding band now was $200. Right. And this is an upgraded set from my original set. Like, my original set was a quarter carat, solitaire, round diamond. And I think Jacob probably paid, like, 200 bucks for that then. And then my wedding band itself, we went and bought together, and I think that was like $100. So, like, the whole set was like 300 bucks. My wedding band is from the flea market. I'm aware of that. So. But your engagement ring is not. No, my engagement ring is not. My wedding band was $15 from the flea market. Yes. We bought them together. Yes. But my wedding band, my initial one was very small, and I was completely fine with that. When Jake and I have been married for five years, we were at Kohl's and they were having like a huge jewelry sale. So I ended up getting this set. And I mean, this set at Kohl's was initially like $1,000, but it was on significant sale. Right. And there was like another sale, like 60% off jewelry. I mean, I ended up paying, it was like $245 right. for the set. And I'm fine with it. Honestly, sometimes I think it's a little too big. Sometimes I get stuck on stuff and like, it's yeah. not even big. It's not even like a big diamond. It's really just made up of like a whole bunch of little tiny diamonds. So I can't imagine having a three and a half right, that's what I'm saying. carat that's rock crazy. on my hand. Cool. I would be fearful. And again, I'm not judging him for financing it because I really have no problem oh, financing. I don't either. I don't care. I'm not Dave Ramsey. You do you. Like, I don't care. If you want to finance things, finance things. That's all. That's you, buddy. But I would never finance something that costs more than my rent. 
Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, like, I financed some things. I financed, like, washer and dryer. I financed, uh, I don't know, uh, lots of things. I mean, furniture, um, like, bedroom. I bought my kids all bedroom sets before I had the youngest one. Like, I bought brand new bedroom sets for all of my kids. I financed those. I paid them off. Like, I made a payment on them every month. It was, like, $250 a month. It took me, like, a year to pay off. Whatever. I'm, okay, cool. But, like, I cannot imagine buying something that the bill is more than my rent. Yeah, that's crazy. That is insane to me. Anyway, all right. Moving on from that. Quite a tangent. I know. (laughs) Moving on from that. All of that was just to say, though, they did not start off in a great place. Okay. Like, they were pretty immediately on a road of destruction. Just based off of this alone. Understand. Christian buys this huge ring he can't afford. Even before they were married, he was having a hard time paying for the ring. Uh, To the point where he actually stole $108 from the camera store that he worked at because he didn't have enough money to pay his rent and the ring payment. So, like, he paid the ring payment, didn't have enough money for his rent, so he stole $108 to cover the rest of his rent. Oh, my gosh. Now, Christian, being a man of good morals, wrote a check to the camera store, paid it back, told him he stole it. All was good. Well, that's good. I mean, I suppose. Well, at least he paid it back. Yeah, but then he couldn't pay his rent. It was, like, in the same month. Yeah, it it was, like, like within days. He felt bad and paid it back. Okay. So, right out of the gate, Christian's making reckless decisions. But that's okay. They're young. Love has to persevere. Right? We all make young, dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. And it would be fine if it ended there. Through the years, friends and family would describe Christian as the perfect husband. He absolutely adored Mary Jane. He would bring her flowers, buy her nice gifts. He provided a very good life for his family. He was very much into living a luxurious lifestyle. So Christian begins working for a company that, that distributes the New York Times. This is where he becomes obsessed with this journalist. His name is Michael Finkel. Michael Finkel would travel and write, like these impressive pieces on wars in other countries or just things that were going on around the world. He was a travel journalist, essentially. Uh, So Christian really loved how luxurious Michael Finkel's life was. He really wanted to live a life like Michael Finkel. Uh, And I think to some extent that's normal. Yeah. I mean, you got to think, like, he's got married at 19. He is providing for his wife. It wasn't long after that they started having kids. And he's kind of just, like, stuck in this life of having to provide for a family. He got married really young. I understand that. I got married young. There's right. sometimes where I think, before we start the podcast, I was like, ah, I think it's just time for me to run off and start a new life. <laughs> and, I mean, I say that, but I'm joking. Are you, though? I am joking because I'm too lazy <laughs> to start a new life. It would take a lot of work. That would take a lot of work. Yes, it would take a lot of work. But, I mean, I can see why he would have that feeling. Like, he wants, you know how exciting it would be to travel the world and he kind of probably feels like weighed down tied down right. got this wife got these kids yeah it's normal to have like second guesses and he decides like he just really wants to be famous and he wants to be rich and he wants to like have a really fancy life so he decides that he needs to make a change and he decides to start his own business okay he starts a cleaning business at first i was like that's kind of weird a cleaning business but i looked more into it it was like a construction cleanup business is what oh, it seems okay. like, which makes more sense to me. Not saying that men can't clean. Right. But I was just like, that's a really weird jump to make. But then I was like, okay, I could see that. So to me, it kind of seemed like junk removal for construction. Um, and at first, it's doing really great. But the problem is, is that Christian can't just do okay. He has to go above and beyond. So he starts to build this business way quicker than the business can allow. There's not enough money to cover the things he's buying because he's just trying to expand the business so quickly. So before long, not only is he in a mess financially at home, but now he's in a mess financially at work because he's grown this business too big. He can't afford the bills. Like he's financing equipment and financing, you know, the stuff for this cleaning business. There's not enough money coming in. Okay. 
That doesn't stop them, though. They, the Longos go on big vacations. They buy brand new cars. The truth is, though, Christian is drowning in debt. To a point where it gets so bad, at one point, their cars are getting repossessed out of the driveway. And he's got to figure out, like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Because the biggest thing is he doesn't want for people to know he's having a hard time. Right, of course. Like, the whole thing is he has this persona that he's, like, the successful guy who can carry the weight of the world on his shoulders and provide for everyone. He doesn't want for anyone to know this. Right. So he's maxed out all of their credit cards. He can barely keep up with the the minimum payments on those as it is. He starts to, he decides he needs to start forging checks from clients. So he actually prints checks from their past companies that they've worked with. And is forging and writing checks, like tens of thousands of dollars worth of checks to and he himself. Just thinks they're not going to notice. Uh, apparently, hmm. uh, he also talks to his dad, and he's like, "You know, my business is being—it's really successful. You should invest in it." So his dad invests tens of thousands of dollars oh into gosh. his son's business, and then he decides because his car got repossessed that the family needs a new car. So he fabricates a driver's license, goes down to test drive this van, and he just never brings it back. Okay. So that's cool. Well, you know, at least he didn't use his own name. That was kind of smart. I suppose, but he's been really reckless. Oh, yeah. And I don't, it's crazy. I mean, it's really crazy. At this point, I don't know why I didn't put it in here yet. I must have put it down later on, but maybe I just left it out completely. I don't really know. Like, what's going on here? I don't know. I didn't mention this. So at this point, he has, Mary Jane and Christian have three children. Okay. So they have Zachary, who's four. He might not have been four at this point, like when he's doing this, but. At the end of our story, Zachary's four, Sadie Ann is three, and then Madison is two. Okay. So three kids, Mary Jane, they are popping kids out. I mean, that's a year apart on all of them. Pretty crazy. That's fast. Uh, I lost my place because I was scrolling for the kids. I don't know why I took that out. (laughs) I couldn't tell you. So anyway, he's just trying to provide for his kids, whatever. He gets the van for his family. He does end up getting caught on the check issue because the people are realizing that, like, somebody is stealing their money. They go to the police. He gets caught. Um, They find out that he's forged this, you know, handful. I think it was like seven checks. It's like $30,000 oh worth of money that he's taken. But he is charming. And he sweet talks his way out of the charges, which is crazy to me. How? Um, He ends up getting put on probation. He gets like three years probation. And he has to pom- promise to pay back restitutions hmm. to the people that he stole from. That's pretty crazy. So as if this whole thing isn't a big enough mess. Uh, because of this, the church actually ends up kicking Christian out of like their congregation. That's like a thing with the Jehovah's Witnesses, I guess, that yeah. they no criminal activity. So well, Jehovah's Witnesses are strict. Strict. Yeah, yes. that's, I was going to say picky, but that was not the word I no, was looking strict. for. Strict. They are strict. They so yeah. Anyway, Mary Jane has to choose between her husband and really everyone else because I guess when someone's kicked out of the Jehovah's Witness Church, they're just like cut off. Cut off from what? Like everyone in the church. Oh, they don't, they talk, don't, to they don't talk to them okay. anymore, from my understanding. Okay. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but from my understanding, this was a big decision for her because it was pretty much like her husband or the rest of her family. Oh, uh, yeah, that's hard. Uh, but she chooses Christian. And as if that wasn't a hard enough decision, it isn't long after that Mary Jane finds emails between Christian and another woman. Oh. Uh, in these emails, Christian is bashing Mary Jane. He's telling this woman that Mary Jane, that all Mary Jane cares about are the kids. And that after having kids, he has no interest in her whatsoever. And he is not in love with her. Hmm. So I probably would have lost my temper and stabbed him at this point. (laughs) But Mary Jane does the opposite. She just shows Christian more attention and really treats him like the king that he is to her. Good for Mary Jane, I guess. So now with even more marital issues, the family decides it's time to move. 
Christian says he wants to start fresh, and Mary Jane believes him. So the family moves to Toledo, Ohio. Okay. Why did you smile like that? Not important. Why? Had nothing to do with the podcast. Oh, okay. Not important. Okay. So while in Ohio, Christian moves his family into a warehouse. He tells Mary Jane that he's paid the rent up six months and that he's going to, like, fix it up. It's going to be, like, a cool, like, loft. Oh, okay. So it has no running water. No kitchen. It's literally a warehouse. Okay. They're sleeping on cots. They're really just camping. Hmm. Alrighty, then. Squatting. It's kind of what I think. So did he actually purchase this warehouse? Well, he didn't say purchase. He said he rented it. Okay. And they paid six months okay, up front. Well, whatever. Given the debt that he's in i don't think he paid six months up front okay i think he probably just found an abandoned warehouse and like was squatting in it okay so i don't want to victim blame here and i'm not trying to victim blame i don't want it to come off that way but i just really wish that at this point mary jane would have realized that her husband was like not this great guy that she thinks he is yeah there's so many red flags right and apparently she had no idea still that all of these things were going on yeah she didn't question anything like, their car gets repossessed, and he just shows up with another van. She doesn't question it. Moves him to a warehouse, says he paid six months up front. She doesn't question it. Yeah, like, I would be questioning. If my husband was like, oh, hey, we got to go right now. Come on. And we're going to go stay in this warehouse, I would be like, you can stay in the warehouse. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, me and my kids are not sleeping in a warehouse. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, this case is ringing some bells. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure I have. It's a very popular family annihilator. I don't want to say popular, but like very widely covered. Well known. So. Like she said, she said she wanted to stay with him for the kids. It just doesn't seem to me like anything that he's doing is for the kids at all. Right. It just seems to me that every move he's making is for himself and to protect himself. He claimed he wanted to start over. But what he didn't tell his wife is that prior to leaving Michigan, he opened another credit card. Okay. And ran it up. He spent $100,000 on this credit card. On what? Boats, jet skis, whatever he wanted. Just was buying things. The biggest issue, though, is that the credit card wasn't in his name. It was in his father's name. Oh. Why is he screwing over his dad? I don't know. It's the second time now. I don't know. Hmm. So he left Michigan because he was on the run. Not because he wanted to start over. That makes sense. He couldn't pay back all those forged checks that he had to pay restitution for. He was on the brink of uh, prison right. for violating his parole. Hmm. So Mary Jane's family is worried about her and the kids, obviously. obviously. Uh, they probably didn't get much of a goodbye because it doesn't seem like they planned this move. It seems like they just like up and left in the middle of the night. Right. Uh, the family goes to the police and tells them they have an idea of where they could be they think they're in toledo ohio i don't know where they came up with this information apparently mary jane's sister though was driving around ohio looking for them which ohio and michigan are right next to each other so it wasn't a very far like it's not like they moved across the country it wasn't a far drive but for some reason she got when they were in toledo so she was driving around toledo and she actually found them because their dog was outside and she saw their dog oh okay so that's how she was able to figure out where they were and she told the police where they were now christian aware that the police are on to him, packs his family up, skips town again. Hmm. This time, though, he shuts Mary Jane off. He's like, you can't call your family. Like, you cannot have any contact with your family whatsoever. And she's just like, okay. Yeah, she's fine with it. So this is concerning. Mary Jane's family files a missing persons report. 
And at first, uh, they take it very seriously um, until the family receives a postcard from Mary Jane. Okay. Police decide that with this postcard, she's left on her own and that she's an adult, so they don't need to intervene, and they close her case. Uh, The postcard just says pretty much, we're fine, can't call, we'll call you soon. That's the end of it. So I said here, with this, with this, police closed open missing persons case on Mary Jane uh, Longo. And this would be the last time anyone would hear from her. With that cliffhanger, I think it's time we take a break for now. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. All right, now we're back from that ad. So this postcard. Mary Jane sent this postcard in November 2001. On December 19th of 2001, just a month later, the body of a little boy is found in Oregon. It does not take long for police to identify this little boy as four-year-old Zachary Longo. They actually figure out, uh, they figure this out because one of Christian's co-workers comes forward after a composite drawing is released. And she says, it looks like my co-worker's son. And she was like, really weird story. But Christian had told her just two days prior that Mary Jane was leaving him. They were getting a divorce. She was taking the kids. And so they wouldn't be seeing him anymore. Oh, that is a weird coincidence. Mm Mm-hmm. So, also off subject a little, but um, at this time, Christian was working as a barista at Starbucks. Oh, nice. Yes. It just really blows my mind, honestly, how he has these, like, entry-level jobs. Yeah. And yet people believe that he's doing so well, that he can afford crazy vacations, he's got boats, he's got jet skis. Like, at one point, he had multiple jet skis, and he told somebody he won them. Oh. And a contest. But I just am like, how I don't understand how charming he was that people were believing this bull squash that he's spewing out of his mouth. I mean, obviously, he's a pretty charming dude. It's just crazy to me. He was a barista at Starbucks working part time. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, they don't make, I mean, not great money, you know. I mean, not he was making minimum wage. To... He was making six twenty five an hour. I mean, but does Starbucks pay minimum That's what wage? he was making oh, okay. in 2001. He didn't actually even work. That's the thing, too. He didn't actually work at a Starbucks. He worked at a Starbucks inside of a grocery store. So it wasn't even like a normal Starbucks. Not saying the people that work at Starbucks is inside of grocery stores are less important than the normal Starbucks. I'm just saying, though, that's not even the same either. Why not? Because you're not a Starbucks employee or a grocery store employee. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, Target has Starbucks inside of them. You're not employed by Starbucks. You're, empl- you're employed by Target. Oh, okay. And that makes sense. Harris Teeter, that. you're employed by Harris Teeter. It's not the same. Oh, didn't know so, that. So, no, he's not making, I mean, he's making minimum wage. Right, because, like, Starbucks, I mean, they don't pay great, I don't think, but I think they pay. I looked it up. It said a Starbucks barista makes between, like, thirty-eight dollars and $45,000 a year. But I would assume that's full-time. Right. So, I mean, it's fine. He was not. He was. He was part-time. Part-time. And. And this was also in 2001, so not that much. Right. He was making six twenty-five an hour, working part-time. And this was mortifying for him because he was better than this. So he was telling all of his coworkers that he was really rich and he had like an internet company that was taking off and he was just working at Starbucks for something to do. Oh, okay. Well, you do you, Christian. I just think it's so crazy. Like, I don't know. This dude blows my mind. <laughs> like, I don't understand how he tricked so many people also into thinking that he was so successful. I don't know. Because it even gets crazier than that. I mean, as far as like his trickery, I mean, he's just crazy. Okay, so with this info, with finding Zachary in the water, um, the police send a dive team to check the rest of the water for other bodies. Uh, They're not really sure, like, what's going on, but, like, there's no sign of the Longo family. 
they at first they're concerned like maybe it was a car accident and maybe like you know Zachary was really well taken care of that was the thing too like he had a fresh haircut like he was a clean little boy like there was no signs of you know he wasn't beaten up he didn't have broken bones like he was a well taken care of kid so right. they were like this is terrifying maybe he got away from the family they kind of find the family so then they're like oh no maybe they were in a car accident maybe the car's underwater and he got out of the car somehow you know like that's what they're thinking at first that is until they um find a body of a little girl in the water. And this little girl is then confirmed by the coworker to be three-year-old Sadie. Hmm. Uh, Sadie was found at the bottom of the water and she, her ankle had been tied to a pillowcase of rocks. Ooh. So at that point, they're like, okay, this is not they were something innocent. That will play 100%. So with this, they begin looking for the rest of Longo family. Um, on December 27, 2001, police find two suitcases under a nearby dock. Inside one of the suitcases are the remains of two-year-old Madison. And in the other one is Mary Jane. I hate that. Yes. Ugh. Yes. Awful. What a trash bag. Uh, Christian Longo is nowhere to be found. Yeah, probably because he didn't kill himself. It becomes very clear that he is the main suspect in these murders. Understandably so. So police begin a manhunt for Christian Longo. Uh, the FBI adds them to their 10 most wanted. And lucky for them, Christian can't pay for things on him on his own. So before he left, he actually stole credit card numbers from a customer at Starbucks. So they've got a pretty little paper trail leading it them makes south. sense. Straight to Mexico. Mm, that's why you want to go to Mexico, Sierra. I was joking about wanting to go to Mexico. Sure you were. But, I mean, I did say that because I was doing this case. Um, the FBI broadcast Christian's face everywhere. And someone in Cancun recognizes him. He didn't even just go to Mexico. He went to Cancun. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to go to Mexico, you might as well go to vacation. Or don't kill your family and run. Well, yes. I mean, that would be the obvious answer, but I'm just saying. So they tip off the FBI and they're like, yeah, I know that guy. Or I know this guy. And he, you know, looks like the guy that you're looking for. But his name isn't Christian Longo. It's Michael Finkel. And he's a journalist. Oh, the one he's always wanted to be. Yeah. So not only did he flee the country, he's taken on the identity of his favorite author. Hmm. So if I were Michael Finkel, I'd be pissed. Yeah. But Michael Finkel actually starts to talk to Christian Longo because it actually worked out in Michael Finkel's favor. Why? Uh, at the same time that all this is going on with Christian Longo, Michael Finkel has blown his own life up. Oh, okay. He had written this article or a story for the Times Magazine uh, about a boy in Africa who sold himself into slavery. Okay. And it was a really great piece, uh, but it turns out that he had lied in it. And he had taken, like, multiple stories from multiple different people and turned them into one... Fake story. Fake story. Like, one person. So he had fabricated it. Since then, he's come out and, like, said how sorry he was. It was a really bad, like... Just essentially that it was not a good thing for him to do. It was a error in his judgment. It would never happen again. But um, Michael Finkel thinks his career's over. Right. He's, like, ready to go hide and he's been fired from the Times. But then Christian Longo saves the day. By pretending to be him? Because before really anyone can even catch wind about this, like, fake story he's written, Christian Longo has murdered his entire family and used his name. So when you Google, like, Michael Finkel, or when you look into Michael Finkel, it comes up about Christian Longo. Like, everything that Michael, the real Michael Finkel has done is completely buried by this monster family annihilator. That's kind of sad, though, for Michael Finkel. I think he was happy. I mean, what about all of his work before that, though? It's now just gone. 
I mean, he's still an author, so I think it's fine. Okay. I don't well, think, never mind. I don't don't feel bad for Michael Finkel. So, Michael Finkel actually kind of, like, befriends Christian Longo. And mm-hmm. Christian's a charming guy. It's kind of weird. He shares his story with Michael. I mean, Michael's an author. So, so. he's going to write a book about it? Maybe. He does, doesn't he? Uh, so, Christian tells him that once the family landed in Oregon, he had a hard time finding work. So, another thing is, too, on the way to Oregon, they had a hard time getting there. They didn't have any money. They were just kind of, like, camping out, like, staying in cheap motels, you know, trying to get across the country. They're in stolen vehicles. Like, he's stolen this van that they're driving. He, like, stole a moving truck to get their stuff there. (laughs) He is stealing things along the way, trying to sell them to, like, make money to get his family across the country. That sounds exhausting. I agree. Just don't live a luxurious life if you can't afford one. Right. Well, he definitely was living above his means. It was crazy. Yeah, so he's, like, stealing things along the way, like, stealing, like, machinery and, like, I don't know, anything he can get his hands on to try and sell to make money to get his family across the country. He actually ends up selling Mary Jane's wedding ring. Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. He's, like, selling their personal belongings, everything. He's ditching their stuff along the way, too, like, on the route. He's, like, getting rid of, like, family photo albums, getting rid of the kids' toys. I don't know. He's really trying to lighten their load Why? before they get to Oregon. What do you mean? He was killing his whole family. Oh. What the hell do you mean? I, Okay. I, was, I, I think it was all premeditated. Yeah. He says, that's not what he says. He says he was just trying to make money. But I think this was all the plan from the get-go. Like, he cut off the ties, wouldn't let Mary Jane talk to her family. Uh, there's speculation that that uh, postcard, that he had actually written it. Right. I mean, so, I think sense. from the moment they left Ohio, he was like, I got to get rid of them. I forgot the end place was Oregon. I forgot that's where we were yeah. going. No, I forgot which move we were because there were yeah. so many. No, we're on our way to Oregon. This is his story that he told Michael Finkel. Okay. He says, you know, he has a hard time finding work. So he started working at that Starbucks and he tells him, I was making minimum wage, which was $6.25. And I was only working part time. So, I mean, full time at $6.25 is $250 a week. That's crazy. Before deductions. Mm-hmm. He had three kids and a wife. Like, that's nothing. And that's no, full time. He wasn't working full time. Right. He was working part time. So even 30 hours, I mean, that's 150 bucks a week. 180 something like that before deductions right yeah. like he was not making enough to not provide enough for his family to support a family of five he said you know he had to find somewhere for his family to live he ended up charming his way into this apartment slash condo it was waterfront and it was like 1500 dollars a month oh, wow. in 2001 yeah that's crazy <laughs> no way he could afford that i said that math don't math <laughs> no No way. But he told them that he worked for, like, the phone company. He was waiting on a paycheck. And they let him move into the apartment. No money down. Let him move in. That's insane. Crazy. I don't know how you could be that good of a talker. Right. Because, like, I'm not. It's crazy. But he insists to Michael that he didn't hurt his family. But he also won't give up any ulterior theories of what could have happened to them. Like, he won't tell Michael any other ideas of what could have possibly happened. So what is believed to have happened, based off of, like, the jury, the prosecutors, that side of it... Um, on December 17th, Mary Jane went to a food bank to get food for her family. Okay. It's suspected that that evening Christian and Mary Jane got into some sort of a heated fight, uh, whether it be just over the stress alone, or maybe Christian got mad that she went to a food bank because he's all about his image. Right. And his wife's out there. Right. She's just trying to provide for the kids. Right. And he's like, heck no, people can't know that we're struggling. Like, why would you go to this food bank? Um, people can't know you literally just moved there. No one knows you. It doesn't matter. He doesn't want for anyone to know that he is struggling. Okay. So he could have just got mad at her about that, whatever. Regardless, they think that 
there was some sort of a heated fight. Uh, there was evidence of blunt force trauma. So either she was like punched in the face or he hit her with something in the head. Um, he then strangled her and put her in a suitcase. He then strangled two-year-old Madison and put her in a suitcase. He walked the two suitcases to the water by their apartments and uh, put the suitcases under the dock. That's where they were found. Disgusting. Madison was so little that he filled the suitcase with clothing. That was a thing, too. I guess I could have put it in here. It's kind of disgusting, though. Mary Jane was naked in the suitcase. It didn't specify if Madison had clothes on or not, but it did say that he put clothes in the suitcase because she was so little, he didn't want her moving around in there. So he kind of, like, tucked her into the suitcase because she was so tiny. And then he also put a dumbbell in it to weigh it down because she was so little. She was two. Right. And he was worried that it wouldn't sink. So was she dead in the suitcase? Yeah, he strangled her. Okay. Well, I didn't know if he, like, she was already, like, yes. completely dead. Yes. He said he didn't want her moving around, so I didn't know. If- well, I think just, like, sloshing around. Right. Like, okay. Causing air bubbles to, like, okay. float back up. He then walked the two suitcases to the water, put them under the dock, um, and then it's unsure if Christian killed the other two children in the apartment or if he took them alive to the bridge. Um, the cause of death for all four was asphyxiation. But there was also some evidence that the older two children could have drowned. Oh. I think drowning would probably be one of the worst ways to go. This, I think, I pray that those children were not drowned. Because he tied them to a bag of rocks and threw them off the bridge. Right. That would be... I mean, the whole thing is awful, horrendous. no matter how he did it. No matter how he did it, but that would be horrendous. It's absolutely disgusting. For your father to, like, wake you up, put you in the car, drive you to a bridge, tie a bag of rocks around your ankle, and throw you off a bridge. Yeah. I mean, no matter how he did it, though, it would be traumatizing. No matter how he did it, it would be traumatizing. I just hope, I don't know, if they were asleep, maybe they didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be the best case scenario, but... The whole thing is absolutely disgusting, honestly. It's horrendous. It's absolutely disgusting. I can't fathom. And that's why Family Annihilators to me are honestly like the most terrifying. Right. Because this is right, those the, are your kids. This is the husband. Like this is your husband and father. Like a husband and father. He is supposed to protect his wife. He is supposed to protect his children. He is supposed to provide for those people and for him to kill them all. Yeah, I I don't understand it at all. Like it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. So a man later came forward and said that he spoke with Christian on the bridge that morning. It was very early morning, like 5 a.m. Um, he said that he stopped because he thought Christian was having car trouble. And he said that Christian seemed completely fine. Uh, Christian told him he was good. His check engine light came on and that he had just pulled over to check things out. And so the man left and that was that. Mm-hmm. So when this goes to trial, Christian actually pleads guilty to two counts of murder. Okay. Uh, he has a completely different story. He says that on December 15th, he and Mary Jane went on a date. To me, that's already weird in itself. You have no money. <laughs> right. Also, who's watching the kids? Right. You're they just in moved there. Town, you don't know anybody. Right. But that's what he says. He says they went on a date and Mary Jane confronted him. He says that she was finally putting all the pieces together and she wanted answers. So they stayed up all night talking and he confessed everything to her. He says that Mary Jane completely lost it like she was going to have, oh, like he had never seen before. Like he thought she was going to have a mental break. And he begged her to let him stay home from work the following day so that they could talk. And she told him, absolutely not. You need to go to work. We need the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, They only had one car. So she dropped him off at work. He went about his day. And when she picked him up, she was alone. 
Okay. He wanted to know where the kids were, but Mary Jane was completely out of it. Uh, she was barefoot and wearing nothing but a bathrobe. And he, she gave him no answers. He says that when he got home, he immediately found Madison, the two-year-old, lifeless on the bed. Uh, Zachary and Sadie were already gone. Mary Jane had killed them and dumped their bodies while he was at work. So he has completely changed his story that Mary Jane killed the kids, and that's why he killed her. Okay. He says that he snapped, he strangled Mary Jane for killing the children, and that after he killed her, he realized that Madison wasn't dead. But because her siblings were dead and her mother was dead, he figured it was just best to go ahead and strangle her. So she wouldn't have to live with the horrible situation that they're now in. Hmm. Okay. So the problem I have with the story is it's bullshit. I mean, it's if, in fact, she did kill all of the children, and his story is somewhat true, um, I mean, it would make sense that he would snap and kill her, too. Yes. But his whole story doesn't make sense. They went on a date. Where were all your kids? Home alone? You didn't have a babysitter. If you did, you would have brought them forward. Right. So who was watching your children? None of the story makes sense at all. I think it's just a cop-out, and I think it's absolute bullshit that he wants to turn it around on his wife that he murdered. Right. And say, oh, well, she killed the kids. Right. Because none of it makes sense anyway. I mean, that's typically what they do, though. Okay, but none of it makes sense anyway, because who was watching the kids with it on the date? Nobody, because there was no date. Um, Also, if she disposed of the bodies while he was at work, why was he on the bridge at five in the morning? Right. Like, we have an eyewitness that put him on the bridge. Right. You just went out there to see if you could find the kids that she threw out? I mean, also, if you snapped in a fit of rage, how did you know where she got rid of them? I mean, you asked her, like, oh, where are the other kids? Oh, I threw them off the bridge. No, she's not. He's saying that she's, like, not even talking to him. Right. And then also, why would you then kill the daughter if you find out she's alive? None of it makes sense. It's just complete bullshit. The whole story is bullshit. Definitely. I do not think for one second Mary Jane killed those children. No. Um, Also, he took off to fucking Mexico. Right, why? And he was living it up when they found him. They found him, like, shacking up with a German photographer in Mexico. Right, if your whole family is died, you're going to be sad, not living it up. Yeah, so I said here, how dare he blame his wife? Yeah, I mean... Like, piece of trash. mm Mm-hmm. Absolute trash bag. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Christian Longo was found guilty on all four murders. Good. He was given the the death penalty. Uh, That was commuted to life without the possibility of parole in December of 2022 because Oregon got rid of the death penalty. So all of those inmates are now life. Okay. Uh, And that's where he sits now. Christian Longo still sits in prison in Oregon. He's tried to appeal, but so far he hasn't gotten anywhere. Um, An interesting fact, too... Apparently, Christian Longo did end up confessing to Michael Finkel in a letter, like, later on, where mm-hmm. he said he did kill his whole family. And Michael Finkel went on to write a book about Christian Longo. Okay. Which was then turned into a movie starring James Franco and Jonah Hill. Really? James Franco played Christian Longo and Jonah Hill played Michael Finkel. Hmm. I'll have to watch that. The movie was called True Story. Hmm. Never heard of it. Apparently, from some things I've read, it's a little controversial if it's extra true. And then also... I was. I should have looked more into it, but I think Christian tried to like sue them. Why? For using his story from prison. Like he tried to like sue hmm. Jonah Hill, James Franco, and Michael Finkel for using his story in the movie. Did that work? I didn't look that much into it. I really should have looked more into it. I don't oh, think okay. it did though. Probably not. Um, but in the letter though, Christian Longo told Finkel he was just in over his head. The walls were closing in, and that his family would just not be able to survive if he were to get caught. So he had to save them. What a hero. But that's the thing, too, with Family Annihilators, is a lot of the time they say that they were trying to save their families by killing them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty common. It is. And uh, 
I hate to like make excuses and be like, I mean, I can understand, but the ones that kill their families and then kill themselves makes more sense to me. Right. But this guy did not. Right. So like if he were truly having like a mental break and he truly thought that the only way out for them was for them all to die, he would have killed himself. Right. I think he just was sick of the, of the weight. Yeah. And he wanted to start over. Well, he told his wife he wanted to start over. With her in Oregon. Well, yeah, but that was not true. I mean, obviously that wasn't true. It's just so crazy. I just can't believe the amount of people that believed him. Like, on, like nonstop, though. People were just like, oh, he was amazing. Like, he, they were such a picture-perfect family. Like, they were... I, it's just crazy to me. That he talkers. did such a good job of, like, hiding all of this. I mean, like, we're talking so much debt. $100,000 on his father's credit card. I don't even know how you could have that much debt. That would make me just vomit every day. <laughs> $100,000 on his father's credit card. That right there. Vomit. $30,000 in, like forged checks crazy Mm -hmm. stole a car from a dealership like not even on the side of the road like went into a dealership can i test drive this and took off with the car and never came back yeah that's crazy in itself it's insane Mm -hmm. i cannot fathom i feel like a criminal when my registration on my car is no good (laughs) and i'm like sweating bullets every time i come near a cop yeah i'm like sweating bullets i'm like oh no do all my turn signals work? <laughs> Are my brake lights good? Do right. I have my headlights on? I don't know. I just think it's insane. Right. And he's just like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> he's just running from the cops across the country. I would just be vomiting. That was all my life And also, would be. I mean, this was 2001. I could even see if this was like the 80s. Or even the 90s. I don't know. I just feel like the 2000s. I just feel like we were more advanced than to believe this nonsense. I mean, yeah, but think about that um, girl, the sociolite. Yeah. Anna. Yeah. I don't know her name. Duvel. What's her name? Duvle. What's her name? Something along those lines. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, she she tricked like the whole world. (laughs) Smooth talkers. They can get away with a lot. It's just crazy. I don't know. I'm just like, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. I couldn't keep up with number one, all the lies. And number two, I'm way too awkward to sweet talk people <laughs> i could never get away with it so yeah insane it's crazy i mean it's literally crazy I'm, i don't understand it at all i don't know it's crazy to me and then also like i said i just think it's terrifying like it's just so terrifying for really everyone okay mostly for the children because i say like oh you know it was her husband and i do agree i do think that like when you have a, a husband like you expect them to protect you yeah. And to provide for you and for them to be your person. But there's so many times where we see these husbands snap on their wives. But oh, the children, yeah. I just can't. I'm like, how? They're the fruit of your loin. Like, how can you look at your babies and think, done with them? I mean, statistically, your spouse is the person most likely to kill you. Okay. I understand that. But I'm talking about the children, though. That's what I'm saying. I know. That's what I'm saying that I agree that the – but, I mean, it makes sense that he would kill his spouse because – that's very likely. But the, but the kids, I don't understand. I mean, you know, I don't have kids, but I don't see how you could do that to a child. And I don't even have a child, you know? Right. Especially considering that even when you're a piece of crap parent, even when you're the worst parent in the world, your children still see how like, great you are. that you're this great parent. I mean, even when you're just crappy all around. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're that age. Once they're older, they might see, like, what a piece of crap you are. But, like, at that age... You're the best thing in the world. 
You're their their hero. hero. You are everything to them. And for you to turn on them like that. Tarnish it all. I don't know. That's why I just find that to be the most terrifying. It's disgusting. It is. But then it also, I mean, most family annihilators are male. There are some times when you get a woman. But for the most part, they are men. And I'm like, you know, it's the maternal versus paternal instincts because I'm a, I'm a mother. Like, I can't ever fathom. I mean, there are mothers who kill their children, obviously. I'm not saying there's not. But family annihilators are typically men. Right. I just can't fathom. I mean, even like today when I was annoyed at my husband because I wanted to watch the kids while I recorded. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just don't understand how men's brains work. Because I wake up in the morning and my first, like, I take care of the kids. And it's like, I don't know, he just has no problem. Like, he doesn't even think. Like, he doesn't even remember we have kids. Like, he just gets up and he leaves. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. I really I don't think, think he forgets you have children. <laughs> he he doesn't have to worry about them because he knows that I will take care of them. Right. And I just can't imagine that life. But I think that's very much mom versus dad. Mom versus dad. And I'm not saying that against, I'm sure there are plenty of fathers out there who put their children first and who wake up each morning, take it's, care of their kids. I don't it's think it's default mom versus dad. It's primary and secondary parents. Yes. And yes. the majority of the time, primary parents are mothers. Yes. But like I wake up in the morning. And I, there, like, there were some times when him and I would, you know, he gets up in the morning on the weekends and he, like, takes off. And he doesn't even say anything. He just, like, goes to Lowe's and walks around, whatever. And so there were some times when I would wake up before him and do that to him mm-hmm. as, you know, to be spiteful. <laughs> and then he would call me and be like, where are you? Like, you just left me with the kids. And I'm like, oh, wow, crazy. Right, you it's do almost that like you do that to week. me every weekend. But I would almost be concerned to do it because I'm like, I really don't think he thinks when he gets up. Right. Like, I don't even know if he would check that I was there. Like, he might just leave because he knows that he doesn't have to take care of them. Because he knows I'm there for that. Yeah. I don't know. But yes, I think, uh, yeah, I, should, I shouldn't say. It's not a mom versus dad. It's a, a primary parent versus secondary parent for sure. Right. Every relationship has it. Mm-hmm. Even if you think you're equal, you're not. No. But it's like, I don't know. I just, as soon as I wake up in the morning, first thing is kids. Like, Make sure all the kids, and even like at night, like before I go to bed, like the last thing before I go to bed, first thing in the morning mm-hmm. is like the kids. I worry about the kids. Are the kids all in their bed? Have the kids woken up? Or are they wreaking havoc in the house? Like immediately. When I woke up this morning, before I did anything else, I didn't even put my glasses on. I got up and made pancakes because the kids were hungry. Right. And I'm like fumbling around the kitchen. First thing, making pancakes with no glasses on because the kids are hungry. Right. Because you're a primary parent. Yes. So maybe that's the difference that I don't see either. Like Mary Jane would have been the primary parent. He would have been the secondary parent. Right. I just can't imagine ever thinking like, okay, time to kill the kids. Like, I mean, I don't know anyone who would. Uh, we see it time and time again. I know. I personally don't know anyone. No. I'm saying. No. And I do joke around and say, like earlier, I was like, sometimes I think it's just time for me to run away and start a new life. Run off to Mexico. And you were like, and take the kids. And I was like, no, by myself. And you're like, Jacob can't take care of the kids. He can't. It's true. But it gets overwhelming. Yeah, being a primary parent. It's overwhelming. And it's just like little things too. I don't even think like secondary parents think about. Like telling them to brush their teeth or like, I don't know. Like it's just little things that I just, I feel like I parent nonstop all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like. My husband has no idea. Yeah. Like the mental strain that it puts on me because it's just nonstop all day, every day. Yeah. I mean, I told you about a few weeks ago 
I got in a fight with all of my friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm the only one in my friend group that doesn't have children. And uh, we all went out to a brewery together with their kids. And, you know, the dads, all three of them, were the secondary parents. They're just hanging out, drinking beer, while the moms are chasing around all of the toddlers in the brewery. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, Ashley, when are you going to have kids? Me, 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 me. And I said, if I could be a secondary parent, I'd do it. But I can't. And then they all got mad at me. Well, what do you mean? We're not secondary parents. Uh, yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, like five minutes later, one of them was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to take an Uber home. Yeah. And left the mother there with the kid at the brewery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're a secondary parent. Yes. When you don't have to think about, like, the kids, when you can just do what you want to do and you don't have to think about the kids, you're a secondary parent. Right. And it's not always moms. Sometimes dads can be primary parents. Yeah. But the majority of the time. It is mothers. Because right. Because they have that maternal instinct. Mm-hmm. So I, I would make a kick-ass secondary parent. Me too. I don't want to be a primary parent. I would make a kick-ass secondary parent. I think I'm a mediocre primary parent. I think I would also be a mediocre primary parent. That's why I don't want to be one. Yeah. It's tough. So. All right. Well, now that we got on that tangent. <laughs> I guess it's time to leave. It's time to wrap it up. Let you guys get back to your week. All right. See you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. If you like what you heard and you want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked, where you can join one of our four amazing tiers, starting at just a measly $3 a month. That's literally 10 cents a day. You can join the Slightly Wicked. After that, we've got the Moderately Wicked for just $5 a month, followed by the Awesomely Wicked for $7 a month. And for those high rollers, big ballers, we have the Extraordinarily Wicked. So head on over, check it out. If you like what you see, join it up. If subscriptions aren't your jam, head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash W-D-O-W where you can give us a one-time donation to buy us a coffee or, you know, like podcasting equipment, which would probably be a better use of our money. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked or you can just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. Or you can give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash weekly dose of wicked. Or, you know what, you could just do both, because that would be better for us. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com. Great news, guys. We've made it big time. And you can now listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep, yep. Even Pandora. They finally let us in. Make sure to come back next Wednesday for your Weekly Weekly Dose Dose of Wicked. Wicked. Ba-dum-psh. 